0: All right, question number one. Is it possible that combustion instability could be a problem for the Sea Dragon's massive pressure-fed engine? I'm not a rocket uh, expert. I was getting an echo
1: through the telephone. Can you repeat that question? Is it it possible that combustion instability could be a problem for the Sea Dragon's massive pressure-fed engine? Right, we addressed that question uh, when it was broached about three weeks ago. Uh, uh, Liquid rocket engines, even solids, uh, are prone to combustion instability, and the bigger they get, the harder they fall. Uh, But uh, the last major project I worked with with Bob Truex was a LOX full-flow stage combustion engine. And uh, just by nature, when gaseous propellants are... uh, Used instead of liquid, uh, commotion instability all but disappears. Uh, I suspect Bob would have incorporated that uh, type of an injector uh, with C- any rocket. We were firing at the 4,000 pound level, but we were going to gear up to uh, any size. Uh, Excalibur was like 1.2 million pounds, I believe, or 1.5 million pounds. Yeah. It, it's it's a beautifully scalable idea, and it turns out Musk is using that in the SpaceX Raptor engine full-flow blocks, rich in uh, stage combustion cycle, inherently stable. So to answer your question, uh, it probably wouldn't have happened with Sea Dragon because we would have most likely used the stage combustion idea.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm not a rocket expert myself. That's just a, a criticism that I've seen other people make of of the Sea Dragon idea, because just in general, I've heard that it's a problem for bigger engines, and you know, obviously, Sea Dragon would be a huge engine. So, um, I guess that's that's the key, as you see it, to use gaseous uh, propellants in the combustion chamber. Absolutely. In fact, you'll uh, notice uh, large hydrogen
1: engines don't, you never hear by instability. It's because the hydrogen vaporizes after it goes through the cooling circuit and enters the combustion chamber almost always as a gas. So... Uh, no, I, I wouldn't expect there to be instability. Even if there was, you know, even with F one, uh, they they ironed
0: out the uh, problems and we were on to the moon. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I I don't see that. It never even came to mind. Uh, I, I always have faith in engineers to overcome problems. I mean, we made it to the moon. But I mean, that was uh, an yeah. engineering problem. Mm-hmm and so yeah i heard it was a a major teething issue with the f1 engine on the saturn 5. it was also a a big engine you know not as big as Sea dragon but uh uh to your knowledge was that their problem at first that they weren't using gaseous propellants and that's why they had their incident well they never did use it in fact with lox kerosene uh, i mean gotta give you know, some space here, they were uh, back in the 60s. Uh, they were using conventional, like-on-like injector, injectors, uh, flat face. Uh, you know, that, that they were just in
1: a mindset of the 60s, uh, rocket design. So baffling was uh, a traditional way of, uh, of dealing with instability uh, pre-combustion chambers and all that that was uh, very you know futuristic uh i my doubt that uh, they would have gone down that road or that we would just went have gone to the moon or we would have made a bunch of smaller engines for, it, it, who knows what would have happened and to, to you know, keep us on track to get to the moon but uh, Yes,
2: uh, just to answer your question, uh, I, I fully believe uh, Bob would have employed his idea. And I, and I do want to give Bob the credit. We were doing this back in the 80s, and uh, was mm-hmm. doing it here in the, the 21st century. So Bob was always ahead of his time. Uh, amazing
0: man. I mean, he conceived the sea dragon in the early 60s. So to will give you an idea of the time scale. Yeah, 1960s, two yeah yeah Yeah. and i i I hope you don't see yeah i hope you don't see any of these questions as like an attack on uh, bob's idea i think it's a brilliant idea actually like i i hope that uh uh, i hope that somebody can build something like this someday it's just the way it solves some of the problems with uh that we that we normally associate with rocket launches you know Um,
2: perfectly good and we want to make sure Sea dragon was viable and uh not only did Airjet pump two million dollars into the concept but trw also uh, validated the
1: design so it, it was solid things like instability they didn't even worry about that because
0: once again engineers pretty much can do anything yeah all right Thanks. guess so let's move on to the next question then um kind of related to the last question it's uh do you think the Sea Dragon engines could deliver the performance that was called for? Uh, the first stage engine was supposed to have a specific impulse that was nearly on par with the Saturn V's F1 engine, which is a turbopump-driven engine. You know, um, it's. Uh, um, I guess that just comes back to like has in the last uh, you know in. In the decades since Sea Dragon was designed by, by Bob Truax, has there been has anything changed that would uh, that you think would require a reevaluation of you know the design? Is is I I read somebody say like when Sea Dragon was designed, we didn't fully understand the the problems with combustion instabilities um, and. Uh, like is, that's what you, that's what you talked about with the last question. But um it's like, is, is there any reason that we have to, to question the analysis that TRW did back in 1962, or do you think it's still equally valid today? Going back to the original uh, part of the question on
1: performance, uh, Bob is he would always say, "Just make the rocket bigger." Uh, the Sea Dragon engine randomly chamber pressure because it's a pressure-fed rocket, and it's a booster engine, so a specific impulse is just not as important on the first stage as it is in upper stages. It's just rocket science. it's that simple. So the uh, C Dragon engine actually would be a lower ISP than uh, the F1 for the 7 5 because the chamber pressure is lower. It's probably an ISP of around 250, where the F1 would be 263, uh, 270 if you don't count the turbo pump, but with the turbo pump losses, it's about 263. None of that matters. But I'm just saying make the rocket bigger and make up for a loss of uh, you know, 2%, 3% in payload. It's the upper stages that uh, make up for it all. And in the case of C Dragon, which is really interesting, they use liquid hydrogen. And that totally erases any minor losses in uh, the first stage performance so it is pressure fed. chamber pressure is 300 versus the f1 which is around 960 uh the operated f1 was over 1, 1100 psi but uh, once again uh, the upper stage makes up for
0: any minor losses in the lower stage yeah that's, uh... Yeah, my understanding. I think the first stage was powered by like liquid oxygen and kerosene or something like that. And then yeah, the second stage, yeah, the first stage. Yeah, the first stage locks kerosene. The upper stage
1: uh, locks hydrogen. Uh, that video animation, which by the way is is really cute. I love it. I wish Bob was around long enough to have seen that. Uh, I'd make some. Uh, uh, adjustments to uh, make it look more realistic. Uh, the upper stage is hydrogen, so the exhaust from the four under engines, which are sixty thousand pounds each, they would be transparent, like the shuttle SSME was hydrogen, so the exhaust was transparent. Uh, but. Uh, Those details are uh, pale in comparison uh, to a a video of uh, the Sea Dragon launch that is so cool. The other thing that deviated from uh, the real article is Sea Dragon floated about uh, the halfway point where those vernier engines were above the waterline and the ballast that's attached to the main stage engine that actually gets it upright and floating at the right depth in the water. Yeah, I noticed if that. You go, if you go to neverworld.net, um, you'll see underwater uh, ignitions of the Lux Kerosene engine that we conducted on the barge in the 1980s, or early 90s. Uh, it was uh, called the 7-Up rocket because we used 7-Up uh, beverage containers as propellant tanks. And me and a colleague uh, built this rocket to fly it in the desert and uh, it ended up being an underwater test platform for uh, Opture X's SeaWorld program. We had no idea what we could use for that and it worked beautiful and you'll see those videos on neverworld.net and that was posted by my colleague uh, Tom Duffy who uh, works at Edwards Air Force Base the rocket lab, uh, Air Force Research Rocket Lab down at uh, the Mojave Desert. Uh, Tom worked with us on the barge in uh, in Redwood City, the port of Redwood City, uh, south of San Francisco, about 50 miles.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wasn't sure if there was any validity to those criticisms. It's just that I've read, you know, um, combustion instability, performance issues. It's, uh, I can't really comment on it. It's just something that I've seen, like, when you discuss Sea Dragon on the Internet. You know, I get responses from some people that have probably have aerospace backgrounds and some that don't, so it's hard to tell, really, what's valid and what's not. But, um, yeah, I know that this company, TRW, which I think uh, I think they changed their name, the Aerojet, uh, or, or something like that, later, uh, they they did the analysis and they they said that it would work so. Um you know, I I, I I have no reason to question them, really. TRW built a winter module descent engine,
1: the most advanced and to this day still the most versatile rocket engine ever built in the world. It's a throttle ratio of 10 to 1. The liquid rocket engine has never been built before since it has that kind of a throttle range. So TRW, they knew rockets, and they, they're a fantastic company. They, uh, they were still around, at least 20 years ago, when I tested a pendle uh, injector for them at the facility, I uh, helped an engineer in Socorro, New Mexico, at the EMRTC facility uh, at the New Mexico Tech Energetic Material Research Test Facility. The uh, uh, TRW uh, had a new idea for an injector. Uh, or, uh, a new twist to uh, a, uh, a kind injector which morphed into the Musk uh, engine the uh, uh, what was the name of it the, the the muskaw's kerosene engine raptor is the new one after marlins uh my colleague tom mueller uh, there was some lawsuit issues and uh, proprietary information and intellectual knowledge i'm not getting into that because i'm part of that but uh we tested an in injector design of uh, it's a modified pendle uh, about 20 years ago in Socorro, New Mexico. That was the over with TRW, and then uh, they uh, did the tests. And then uh, the facility uh, went into a lot of I ended up moving back to California, and it turned out that the injector design was uh, employed in part, maybe in whole, in the the spacex uh, merlin engine which uses a pendle mm-hmm. injector which uh, uh, is also inherently stable uh, the, just the nature of the way the propellants are uh, introduced in the combustion chamber or uh, pendle injectors are inherently stable the drawback is they take a very large combustion chamber which exposes more metal to the hot, ex- uh, hot combustion gases and makes it harder to cool but uh, in the case of Merlin engine, they don't have uh, any cooling issues. So I've uh, got a lot of thoughts going here and trying to stitch them together in a good fashion. And then, uh, my memory is getting pretty, uh, pretty bad here as I get older. I turn 65 uh, on it's July no, 7th. It's no problem. It's no worries. Getting things so uh, we can all piece this back together. So, uh, don't worry, I, if I do things chronological, I can remember a little better. But that's kind of the, the sequence of events there that has led to where we're at today and you know, functioning hardware that's working uh, with their 100% reliability. Um, yeah, you mentioned Tom Mueller, he's the um. He's one of the head engineers
0: at uh, SpaceX now, isn't he? He's, I guess Elon Musk is the head engineer, but Tom Bueller is. I know he's like the probably right under Elon Musk. Am, am, I, am I right about that? I so. Yeah, it was pretty much yeah. the story. In fact, Tom came to me uh, back around
1: 2003, I think it was 2003. We uh, you know I had a pendel ejector from an old project uh, that was like it was 20 years before that. It was uh, based on a 70, I think it was a 75,000 pound box kerosene engine. It had never been fired, but it was built. It was made out of aluminum. And Tom asked to uh, lease it from me. So uh, for a six-month period, I agreed to lease him this injector. And uh, six months
2: later, he brings it back and uh, he said, "How'd it go?" He goes, "Um, "Thing went fine.
1: I think." I, uh, I sold the idea of a Pendle injector to uh, my peers, which at the time I did, uh, didn't know about it. But that was the beginning of SpaceX. Oh shit! So the injector I had was bent. Yeah. Dovetailed into the uh, Merlin engine injector, which is kind of cool to, to see that Holy technology yeah. uh, you know, morph into something. Yeah. We're now flying, how I mean, I mean, times has it been? You know, hundreds yeah. of times. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, so, yeah uh, um, that's kind of the, the linkage you know, of this hardware and the technology and the, play, the key
0: players. Yeah, didn't Sea C- Dragon use that's a pistol the injector? Sorry. I um, didn't didn't see yeah. dragon use a pen. <laughs>
3: there's a delay, you just got to cut in. Not to to my knowledge.
1: Uh, In fact, the injector, I uh, never know One focused that much on. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe Bob did, maybe Tear could looked at it. Uh, I I think there were a lot of ideas on how to approach it because, believe me, these guys are smart and they would have uh, thought about combustion instability and they probably left the injector intentionally vague because they knew they are going to have to tweak it to uh, bring out both instability issues and performance issues and maybe even replace it entirely with something new which is what would probably happen with the stage combustion uh, design or a spindle even uh, yeah it's, it's uh, you, you can look at the manual there's two manuals actually if you go on neverworld.net you can download them uh, tom did a wonderful job of scanning that all in he did this all back about 20 years ago and uh, My hat's off to Tom Duffy, he's uh, quite a trooper and a real smart guy. And we used to play music together when we worked at Edwards back in the 1980s. We worked on the big F1 stands and uh, uh, used to, in the evening, go play music. I played drums and Tom was a guitar player. We just made a bunch of noise, but we had fun and a few beers and and we were pretty young and energetic. And Nick? To work on the big F-1 stands, that was exciting. We were testing F-1 engines. That was 20 years in the years. But seeing the, the carbon from these uh, F-1 engines on, the, on all the, the girders and the beams were pretty cool. And they break in the and the red liquid would drip out. And it's RP-1 from 1960-something. You know, it's just really... Uh, it was a real privilege to have uh, worked at uh, the rocket lab up there in Lehman Ridge at Edwards Air Force Base on the east side of the facility. And it was really wonderful, uh, I wish for everyone to, to have a chance to see those stands and even have a tour. They're still there. They managed to avoid the scrap mail, and I heard there was uh, somebody actually uh, spent a lot of effort to save those stands from being scrapped out thank god they're still there you can see them when you drive down highway 58 through the town of Boron you'll see them uh, to the south there on that that ridge
3: Next.
0: Yeah, were, were you trying to say something tom
3: I was gonna say, ask Ken about uh, yeah. shooting ro- shooting rockets with Bob Lazar I can't desert. hear
1: Tom, just to let you know. Yeah, that's fine. found t- phone uh, died, so yeah. I'm gonna rely on you to relay any questions. Um, that's good. Yeah,
3: that's good. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that, that's fine. Tell tell him the relay is fine. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, relaying is fine. Yeah, and um, yeah. So, yeah, what were you asking?
3: Bob, ask him about Bob Lazar shooting rockets out in the desert. He and Bob Lazar.
0: Yeah, uh, Tom was wanting to know about uh, your uh, your experiences with Bob Lazar, you know, shooting rockets off in the desert. Uh,
1: nothing more than what we spoke about uh, six months ago or whenever it was. Uh, I don't think I've spoken about since. Occasionally I'll have a question about uh, some elements or... Not 115, but just, uh, you know, I, I deal in elements and minerals. I deal in just about everything It's not biology. Uh, I'm just one of those science nerds that loves everything dealing with science. And of course, he's got the United Nuclear, the company that deals in uh, elements, chemicals, uh, labware. You know gadgets, lasers, engines, a little of everything. It's really a fun little place. Uh, Business has got there and he started in New Mexico, my old stopping grounds. He didn't live too, too far from where I was and uh, you know, we could talk more uh, frequently in those days and then I moved back west and he we moved farther east and I uh, haven't talked to him as much but uh, no we don't don't talk about the the stuff you might be thinking of I usually avoid those topics because nothing more to talk about and uh, it's a sore spot for him it's brought a lot of grief to his life Uh, I understand and and I respect that Mm
3: -hmm. understood ask him uh, yeah yeah, actually just keep with your sea dragon questions okay
0: yeah um yeah, next question, Ken. Um, this is kind of a more of a general question. Um, uh, could the simplicity of a pressure-fed engine still offer advantages for reusability mm-hmm. over a complicated turbo-fed engine, like the Raptor, for example? Absolutely. Uh, we, this, this could take 10 minutes to answer, but I'll try to do a condensed or bridged version. Being pressure-fed, it's
1: uh, very convenient to leave the tank pressurized to a degree after the engine's done uh, consuming its propellant, so you got a very rigid structure. You just take a, a, a Coke can before you open it, I mean, you can squeeze it, it's very rigid, and that's only a few PSI, imagine a tank under uh, 400 PSI. Uh, the, uh, the if you look at the design of the Sea Dragon, the, f- the forward uh, tank is conical shaped and it's designed that way for a reason. After it's done uh, uh, boosting the uh, rocket, it separates and then re-enters ballistically uh, into the atmosphere and uh, lands in the water with a, uh, not a drogue chute, but something called balloons. They're uh, drag bags, they big, giant bags full of pressure that create just enough drag to slow the rocket to around uh, a 200 miles. An hour and then it hits the water at that speed. A conical shape at uh, three to four hundred psi will resist any collapsing forces, and we proved that concept in Monterey Bay. Uh, about uh, uh, once again, my is fading, but uh, I think it was the 1970s, 80s, uh, we did drop tests from a helicopter of a subscale Sea Dragon. Uh, it was pressurized to about 400 psi with the bullets in the form
2: of the aft section. And it had entered the water at about 200 miles an hour, maybe 300 feet per second, and incurred uh, very little damage. In fact, no structural damage. The,
1: the pressure vessel was unscathed. So we proved the concept of ballistic recovery of a rocket stage. Into seawater using drag bags as uh, drag devices to uh, lower the terminal velocity uh, to a point to where the rocket can survive. Uh, yeah, okay. into the seawater, and uh, you'll, you'll see some of those photos on the Neverworld uh, website. Uh, everything i most everything I'm saying, you can see on that website. It's incredible. Uh, it looks like it covers incredible amount
0: of material yeah yeah, I read about that the drag to slow the slow the, the, slow the uh, re-entry down so I can land in the Oton without being damaged um, yeah that was a uh, yeah, it seems like that's a like an easier way to go than what uh, spacex is doing with you know using the actual rockets to land um you know as ingenious as that is uh, what spacex is doing like it seems like it seems like what uh what bob truax thought of for t-dragon was actually simpler you know something that could conceivably be done back in the 60s you know I, I agree. Uh, it's very, very elegant. It's even cool to see these rockets propulsively land.
1: It's probably the most difficult way to recover a rocket someone could imagine, but they pulled it off. And my hat's off to SpaceX, in fact, uh, I have to admit, uh, watching those two boosters land uh, in concert with each other, I was the most excited I've been about rockets since the pilot. and it was good to feel that feeling again, which had been dead for all those years, but
2: that said, Nothing beats, be the simplicity of a pressurized uh, vessel entering seawater uh, with drag bags after you've burned
1: all the propellant, not having to leave a residual to use for propulsion to uh, soft land on land or a barge. So you know, it, you know, there's two ideas there, uh, both valid. Um, you know, pick and choose which which, which would you want to do. Sea yeah. um, Dragon and brute force, burn all the propellant, get max Delta V, put a thousand tons into uh, low Earth orbit. In fact, one design that actually burns the pressure to get even a little more delta V, in this case would be methane pressurizing the fuel tank. I think that was the D uh, version of the Sea Dragon. That may or may not be mentioned in one of those manuals that's on the Mender Wolf site. But uh, they had uh, spheres of uh, liquid methane at the bottom of the fuel tank, and then that would be injected into the fuel, and the the heat of the fuel would vaporize the liquid methane, and the bubbles
2: would go to the top of the tank, and that's how the fuel would be pressurized. There won't be any helium
1: or nitrogen, none of that. It's pressurized with nitrogen or with uh, methane. And then after the fuel and oxygen is gone, you have a tank full of pressurized oxygen and a tank full of uh, methane that continues to burn and you know, it brings the tank pressures down and you get added delta v uh, by burning your pressure in, which is a brilliant idea i'm not sure how they deal with keeping the tank pressurized for ballistic re-entry they might still retain 100 psi in the vessel uh, those details i'm not so
0: sure about perhaps that's uh, highlighted somewhere in the have but it's a, it's a cool idea earn the pressure yeah yeah and I know the uh, like the, these studies number one and three for sea dragon are available on the Wikipedia page for Sea dragon I think there was like a there's like a second study that was done that might not be publicly available I'm not sure but the uh, the two studies that are publicly available there's quite a bit of information there yeah I, I don't know if I read about the methane idea but that's a uh, that's interesting.
2: So, methane is what powers the Raptor, SpaceX Raptor. And right. um, this goes through, this is a pressure for the uh, fuel tank of, uh, first
1: stage Sea Dragon. Mm. Yeah. And, but.
3: Fuck. Myself currently waiting on Ken Mason technical difficulties continue to plague us this is Apollo 13 we cannot reach Ken Mason this is a fucking DEFCON 1 situation we cannot reach Ken Mason aren't there actually actually, no I just thought of aren't there fucking insane wildfires right now Uh, Uh, I think so like in California Ken's in California
0: oh okay I didn't know yeah
3: that actually might explain everything I didn't I didn't fucking think about that I think they're mm-hmm. all up in Oregon too. Actually, let's look to pull that up right now. Well I like, Oh, there you go. Oh, I got a oh, call oh. from Ken. Uh oh. One second. All right. One second. All right. Hey Ken. Here That's... we go. go. Okay. Yeah, um if you look
0: at your email there should be a, uh I'm um, just sent uh I emailed to him a little while
3: ago with a link. to, to chat. Nick can't hear us so right now. He doesn't. If you think... click on that, then I think uh, I think we'll be ready to go. Nick can't hear us right now. He's got his headphones in, so I'm I'm gonna be talking. Nick's on the phone right now with Ken Mason, rocket scientist, protege of Bob Shuax. Bob Shuax is the inventor of the Sea Dragon, the massive rocket that has has become known in uh, for all mankind. And he was also the head engineer for Evil Knievel shooting that crazy motherfucker across the Grand Canyon or whatever Evil Can Evil did. That guy was Bob Truex. Ken Mason worked under Bob Truex for, I think, more than a decade. Became good friends with him. Bob Truex is also the guy that got the Navy to look into, uh... What was it? SLBMs? Submarine Launch Ballistic Missiles? Which, I mean, it seems commonplace now, but at one point it wasn't. And Bob Truex was like, yo, let's fucking do this shit. It's the future. And uh, it's a shame the, she- the Sea Dragon never, never became a reality. Just go to YouTube and type in Sea Dragon. S E A Dragon. No. Yes. S E A Dragon. Yeah. It was uh, had ten times the payload of the Saturn V. It was launched from sea. Um, about ninety percent of it submerged in the ocean, and it used the water as a used the buoyant force as a stabilizer so it wouldn't tip over, you don't have to worry about the, its massive thing like that. Um, its fuel was created from, I believe, electrolysis, or reverse electrolysis, which was carried out by the nuclear reactor of an aircraft carrier. So it would, I mean, this thing, <laughs> aircraft carrier would go out there, use its big old gigawatt reactor, and that would use the power to whatever hydrolysis, I feel like I should know that, but it would turn seawater into rocket fuel. And it would fill up that thing, and it would take off from... Ken said that for all mankind, actually... Oh, my God, I think Ken Mason is joining us. All right, here we fucking go. What's up, boys? Yeah, talk to you again in a second. All, all
1: right. on that speaker Yeah.
3: Ken... Yeah. So hear... can Ken hear us right now? Yes. Testing? Ken, can you hear... Oh, I, I, he, he can't hear us, so I'll oh, call him. I'll I call. you. are nope, good. I'll call him. I'll call oh, him. will call him. Ken Mason. Ken Mason. Hey, Ken, I lost you when I put you on speaker. I'm going to try it again. I, I
0: don't know
3: why I did that, but let's try it one more time. Hey, hey Nick, t- tell him I'm yeah, going um, him. to him call him.
0: There you are. Okay. Yeah, you, you want to call Tom, right? Because... Yeah. If, yeah. You you want to call Tom now? Who to me? Yeah. Yeah. If you can call Tom, that would be great. He's gonna oh, he's Tom gonna a a speaker. Well, I'll lose you if I have to hang up on you. Oh, that I'll be able to talk to you through this chat. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. Uh, what's Tom's number?
3: Okay. I'll call. Um. Tom, I'll see. call him. Tom's number. Let's I'm see. I'm calling him right now.
1: <laughs> i'm getting a call waiting yeah i think it's probably tom <laughs> hello ken is that, is that you tom it is okay uh, you're on the uh call waiting and nick
3: is on the other line and uh, we're on we're on the podcast now okay yep we got this going um Let's see if I can, uh,
1: can I, And Nick is trying to get a hold of you.
3: Can I add uh, Nick? Please? So we're trying
1: to get a three way going here.
3: Wait, no, no. Can okay, uh um, okay. let's see. Can can you mute your mo- microphone on your laptop?
1: So I got uh Yeah. There we
3: go. That is muted. Uh, I can still hear you. I can you. How about now? There we go. We good now?
1: Uh,
3: okay, no, whatever we're doing somebody. right now, whatever we're doing right now is perfect.
1: Okay, excellent. Technology
3: in case works. <laughs> okay, so uh, Nick, let's uh, just get started. How about you ask the questions to Ken that you want to answer to Back the Sea Dragon?
0: All right, cool. Okay, can you hear me, Ken? Cool. Yeah, I hear you through my computer. All right, cool. All right. Yeah, let me find these questions again. Just one second. I just had uh, four of them. Okay. All right. Question number one: Is it possible that combustion instability could be a problem for the Sea Dragon's massive pressure-fed engine? Is a, Sorry, I was. I'm not a rocket expert. I was getting the echo through the telephone. Can you repeat that question? Got it. Is it is it possible that combustion instability could be a problem for the Sea Dragon's massive pressure-fed engine? Right, we addressed that question uh, when it was broached
1: about three weeks ago. Uh, uh, liquid rocket engines, even solids, uh, are prone to combustion instability, and the bigger they get, the harder they fall. Uh, but uh, the last major project I worked with, uh, with Bob Truex, was a LOX full flow uh, stage combustion engine. And uh, just by nature, when gaseous propellants are uh, Used instead of liquid, uh, combustion instability all but disappears. Uh, I suspect Bob would have incorporated that uh, type of an injector uh, with C- any rocket. We were firing at the 4,000 pound level, that we were going to gear up to uh, any size. Uh, X caliber was like 1.2 million pounds, I believe, or one and a half million pounds. Yeah. It, it's it's a beautifully scalable idea, and it turns out Musk is using that name, the SpaceX Raptor engine, full flow, blocks rich, uh, stage combustion cycle, inherently stable. So, to answer your question, uh, it probably wouldn't have happened with Sea Dragon because we would have most likely used the stage combustion idea.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not a rocket expert myself. That's just a, a criticism that I've seen other people make of of the sea dragon idea because just in general, I've heard that it's a problem for bigger engines. And, you know, obviously Sea dragon would be a huge engine. So um, I guess that's that's the key as you see it to use gaseous uh, propellants in the combustion chamber. Absolutely. In fact,
1: you'll know, uh, notice uh, large hydrogen engines don't, you never hear my instability. It's because the hydrogen vaporizes after it goes through the cooling circuit and enters the combustion chamber almost always as a gas. So, you uh, know, I, I wouldn't expect there to be instability. Even if there was, you know, even with F1, uh, they, they ironed out
0: the uh, problems and we were on to the moon. <coughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see that. It never even came to mind. Uh, the, I, I always have faith in engineers to overcome problems. I mean, we made it to the moon. I, I mean, that was uh, an yeah. engineering problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so, yeah, I heard it was a, a major teething issue with the F-1 engine on the Saturn V. It was also a, a big engine, you know, not as big as Sea Dragon, but uh, is, uh, t- to your knowledge, was that their problem at first, that they weren't using gaseous propellants, and that's why they had their incident? Well, they well, never did
1: use it. In fact, LOX kerosene, uh, I mean, got to give them... You know, some space here, they were uh, back in the 60s. Uh, they were using conventional, like-on-like injector, injectors, uh, flat face. Uh, you know, that, that they were just in a mindset of the 60s uh, rocket design. So baffling was uh, a traditional way of, uh, of dealing with instability uh, pre-combustion chambers and all that. That was uh, very you know, futuristic. I—I uh, doubt that they would have gone down that road or that we would just wouldn't have gone to the moon or we would have made a bunch of smaller engines. For, it, it,
2: who knows what would have happened to, and to you know, keep us on track to get to the moon. But uh, Yes, uh, just to answer your question, uh, I fully believe
1: uh, Bob would have employed his idea. And I, I do want to give Bob the credit. We were doing this back in the 80s, and is uh, mm-hmm. doing it here in uh, the 21st century. So Bob was always ahead
0: of his time. Uh, amazing man. I mean, he conceived the sea dragon in the early 60s. So will give you an idea of the time scale. Yeah, 1960s. Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I, I hope you don't see, yeah, I hope you don't see any of these questions as like an attack on uh, Bob's idea. I think it's a brilliant idea, actually. Like I, I hope that, uh, uh, I hope that somebody can build something like this someday. It's just the way it solves some of the problems with uh, that we that we normally associate with rocket launches. You know, are well, we um, perfectly good, and we want to make sure
1: Sea uh, Dragon was viable and. Uh, not only did AirJet pump two million dollars into the concept but trw also uh, validated the design so it, it was solid things like instability they didn't even worry about that because once again
0: engineers pretty much can do anything yeah all right i guess let's move on to the next question then um kind of related to the last question it's uh you think the sea dragon engines could deliver the performance that was called for uh the first stage engine was supposed to have a specific impulse that was nearly on par with the saturn V's f f1 engine which is a turbo pump driven engine you know, um it's uh um i guess that just comes back to like has In the last, uh, you know, in in the decades since Sea Dragon was designed by by Bob Truax, has there been has anything changed that would uh, that you think would require a reevaluation of you know the design? Is is I I read somebody say like when Sea Dragon was designed, we didn't fully understand the the problems with combustion instabilities um, and. like that's what you, that's what he talked about with the last question. But um, it's like, is, is there any reason that we have to, to question the analysis that TRW did back in 1962, or do you think it's still equally valid today? To Going back to the original uh, part of the question on performance,
1: uh, Bob is he would always say, "Just make the rocket bigger." Uh, the see dragon engine randomly chamber pressure because it's a pressure-fed rocket and it's a booster engine so on specific impulse is just not as important on the first stage as it is in upper stages it's just rocket science mm. um, it, it's that simple so the uh, sea dragon engine actually would be a lower ISP than uh, the F-1 for the 7-5 because the chamber pressure is lower it's probably an ISP around 250 where the F-1 would be 263, uh, 263 70, if you don't count the turbo pump, but with the turbo pump losses, it's about 263. None of that matters. But I'm just say make the rocket bigger and make up for a loss of, uh, you know, two percent, three percent in payload. It's the upper stages that uh, make up for it all. And in the case of Sea Dragon, which is really interesting, is they use liquid hydrogen, and that totally erases any minor losses in uh, the first stage performance. So it is pressure-fed. Chamber pressures 300 versus the F1 which is around 960. Uh, the upper rated F1 was over 1,000, 1,100 PSI. But uh, once again, uh, the upper stage makes up for any minor
0: losses in the lower stage. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's my understanding. I think the first stage was powered by like liquid oxygen and carotene or something like that. And then yeah, the second stage... First stage. And yeah, the first stage locks per scene, upper stage uh,
2: locks, hydrogen, uh, that video animation which by the way is, is really cute, I loved
1: it, I, I wish Bob was around long enough to have seen that, uh, I'd make some uh, uh, adjustments to uh, make it look more realistic, uh, the upper stage is hydrogen, so the exhaust from the four engines, which are 60,000 pounds each, they would be transparent like the shuttle SSME was hydrogen, so the exhaust was transparent. Uh, but Uh, Those details are uh, pale in comparison uh, to a a video of uh, the Sea Dragon launch that is so cool. The other thing that deviated from uh, the real article is Sea Dragon floated about uh, the halfway point where those vernier engines were above the waterline and the ballast that's attached to the main stage engine that actually gets it upright and floating at the right depth in the water. Yeah, I noticed that. If you go to Neverworld.net, um, you'll see underwater uh, ignitions of a Lux kerosene engine that we conducted on the barge in the 1980s, early 90s. Uh, it was uh, called the 7-Up rocket because we used 7-Up uh, beverage containers as propellant tanks. And me and a colleague uh, built this rocket to fly it in the desert and it ended up being an underwater test platform for Bob uh, X's uh, sealant program. And we had no idea we could use for that. And worked beautiful and you'll see those videos on neverworld.net and that was posted by my colleague uh, Tom Duffy who uh, works at Edwards Air Force Base uh, rocket lab uh, Air Force Research rocket lab down at uh, the Maha'i desert. Uh, Tom worked with us on the barge in uh, in Redwood City, the port of Redwood City uh, south
0: of San Francisco about 50 miles. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wasn't sure if there was any validity to those criticisms. It's just that I've read, you know, um, combustion instability, performance issues, It's uh, I can't really comment on it, it's just something that I've seen like when you discuss Sea Dragon on the internet, you know, I get responses from some people that have, probably have aerospace backgrounds and some that don't, so it's hard to tell really what's valid and what's not, but, um, yeah, I know that this company, TRW, which I think uh, I think they changed their name, the Aerojet, uh, or, or something like that later, uh, they, they did the analysis and they they said that it would work so um you know, I, 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 I have no reason to question them, really. TRW built a winter module descent engine, the most
1: advanced and to this day still the most versatile rocket engine ever built in the world. It's a throttle ratio of 10 to 1. The liquid rocket engine has never been built before or since it has that kind of a throttle range. So TRW, they knew rockets, and they, they're a fantastic company. They, uh, they were still around at least 20 years ago when I tested a Pindle uh, injector for them at the facility. I uh, helped the uh, engineer in Socorro, New Mexico, at the EMRTC facility uh, at the New Mexico Tech Energetic Material Research Test Facility. The... Uh, uh, TRW uh, had a new idea for an injector, uh, or a new twist to uh, a, uh, a Kindle injector, which morphed into the Musk uh, engine, the, uh, what was the name of it, the, the Musk walks kerosene engine.
2: Raptor is the new one after Merlin's. Merlin. Yeah. Uh, my uh, old
1: colleague Tom Mueller. Uh, and there was some lawsuit issues and uh, proprietary information and intellectual knowledge. I'm not getting into that. He wasn't part of that. But uh, we tested an in injector design of a uh, modified pendle and about 20 years ago in Saguaro, New Mexico. And that was Tom Mueller with TRW. and then uh, they did the tests. And then um, the facility uh, went into Mothballs and I ended up moving back to California. And it turned out that injector design was uh, employed in part may be in the hole in the, the SpaceX uh, Merlin engine which uses a pendle <laughs> injector which uh, uh, is also inherently stable uh, the, just the nature of the way the propellants are uh, introduced in the combustion chamber or pendle injectors are inherently stable the drawback is they take a very large combustion chamber which exposes more metal to the hot, exo- hot combustion gases and makes it harder to cool but In the case of Merlin engine, they don't have uh, any cooling issues. So, I've got a lot of thoughts going here and trying to stitch them together in a good fashion. And uh, my memory is getting pretty. pretty bad year as I get older I turn 65 uh, on July no, 7th it's no problem it's no worries it. we getting things so uh, we can all piece this back together so uh, don't I, worry and that. if I do things chronological I can remember a little better but that's kind of the, the sequence of events there that has led to where we're at today and you know functioning hardware that's working uh, with near 100% reliability yeah, you
0: mentioned Tom Mueller. He's the um, one of the head engineers at uh, SpaceX now, isn't he? He's, I guess Elon Musk is the head engineer, but Tom Mueller is, I know he's like the probably right under Elon Musk. Am, am, I, am I right about that? I so. Yeah, it was pretty much yeah. the story. In fact, Tom came to me
1: uh, back around 2003, I think it was 2003. Uh, you know I had a middle ejector from an old project uh, that was like it was 20 years before that it was uh, based on a 70 I think it was a 75,000 box kerosene engine it had never been fired but it was built it was made out of aluminum and Tom asked to uh, lease it from me so uh, for a six-month period I agreed to lease on this ejector and uh, six months later he brings it back and uh, he just said how'd it go he goes um, they went fine. I think uh, I, I, I sold the idea of a Pendle injector to uh, my peers, which at the time I, did, uh, I didn't know about it, but that was the beginning of SpaceX. Oh, shit. So the injector I had it was... Beautiful. You know, dovetailed into the uh, Merlin engine injector, which is kind of cool to, to see that Holy technology, shit. yeah, uh, you know, morph into And yeah. now flying. How many times has it been? You know, hundreds yeah. of times, it's amazing. Yeah, so, yeah uh, um, that's kind of the, the linkage you know, of this
0: hardware and the technology and the play, the key players. Yeah, didn't see Dragon use a pistol injector? Uh, Sorry. Um didn't, didn't I didn't didn't you use a pin
3: There's a delay, you just gotta you just got cut in. Not my company. knowledge.
1: Uh, in fact the injector I never no one focused that much on. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe Bob did had a tank your looked at it. Uh I, uh, I think there were a lot of ideas on how to approach it because believe me these guys are smart and they would have uh, thought about combustion instability and they probably left the injector intentionally vague because they knew they're going to have to tweak it to bring uh, out both instability issues and performance issues and maybe even place it entirely with something new which is what would probably happen with the stage combustion uh, design or a pendle even yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you, you can look at the manual there's two manuals actually if you go on neverworld.net you can download them uh, Tom did a wonderful job of scanning that all in he did this all back about 20 years ago and, uh, uh, my hat's off to Tom Duffy he's uh, quite a trooper and a real smart guy and we used to play music together when we worked at Edwards back in the 1980's we worked on the big F1 stands and uh, um, I used to in the evening go
2: play music. I played drums and Tom was a guitar player. We just made
1: a bunch of noise, but we had fun and a few beers. You we know, were pretty young and energetic.
3: Nick, and and, To work on the big F-1 stands, that was exciting. We were testing F-1
1: engines, that was 20 years in the years, but seeing the, the carbon from these uh, F-1 engines on, the, on all the, the girders and the beams were pretty cool, and they break in the nut and the red liquid would drip out, and that's RP-1 from 1960-something, you know, it's just really... Uh, It was a real privilege to have uh, worked at uh, the rocket lab up there in and Ridge at Edwards Air Force Base on the east side of the facility. It was wonderful. Uh, I wish for everyone to have a chance to see those stands and even have a tour. They're still there. They managed to avoid the scrap mail and I heard there was uh, somebody actually uh, spent a lot of effort to save those stands from being scrapped out thank god they're
3: still there you can see them when you drive down highway 58 through the town of Boron. you'll we'll see them uh to the south there on that that ridge and
0: yeah, were you trying to say something tom
3: I was gonna say, ask Ken about uh, yeah. shooting ro- shooting rockets with Bob Lazar I can't desert. hear Tom
1: just to let you know. Yeah, that's fine. I t- found uh, died, so yeah. I'm going to relay to you to relay any questions. That's um, good. Yeah.
3: That's good. Um, yeah. 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 yeah that, that's fine. Tell Tell him the relay is fine. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Relaying is fine. Yeah. And um, yeah. So yeah, what were you asking?
3: Ba- um? Ask him about Bob Lazar shooting rockets out in the desert. He and Bob Lazar.
0: And, uh tom was wanting to know about uh, your uh, your experiences with bob lazar you know shooting rockets off in the desert and uh, nothing
1: other than what we spoke about uh, six months ago or whenever it was uh, i don't think i've spoken about since Occasionally, I'll have a question about uh, some elements, or not 115, but just, uh, you know, I, I deal in elements and minerals. I deal in just about everything. It's not biology. I'm just one of those science nerds that loves everything, dealing with science. And, of course, he's got the United Nuclear the Company that deals in uh, elements, chemicals, uh, labware, uh, Gadgets, lasers, engines, a little of everything. It's really a fun little place. Uh, businesses got there and he started in New Mexico, my old stomping grounds. He didn't live too, too far from where I was and uh, you know, we could talk more uh, frequently in those days. And then I moved back west and he we moved farther east and uh, have not talked to him as much but uh, no we don't we don't talk about the, the stuff you might be thinking of uh, That's fine. I mean, we usually avoid those topics because uh, nothing more to talk about and uh, it's a sore spot for him it's brought a lot of grief to his life uh, I understand I and mean, uh, I respect that
3: mm-hmm. understood ask yeah. him a, a, yeah, yeah actually just keep with your Sea Dragon questions okay
0: yeah um Yeah, next question, Ken. Um, This is kind of a more uh, general question. Um, uh, Could the simplicity of a pressure-fed engine still offer advantages for reusability over a complicated turbo-pump-fed engine like the Raptor, for example? Absolutely. Uh, This this could take 10 minutes to answer, but I'll try to to do a condensed or bridged version. being pressure fed it's uh, very convenient
1: to leave the tank pressurized to a degree after the engine's done uh, consuming its propellant so you got a very rigid structure you just take a a coke can before you open it i mean you can squeeze it it's very rigid and that's only a few psi imagine a tank under uh, 400 psi Uh, the, uh, the If you look at the design of the Sea Dragon, the forward uh, tank is conical shaped and it's designed that way for a reason. After it's done uh, uh, boosting the uh, rocket, it separates and re-enters ballistically uh, into the atmosphere and uh, lands in the water with a uh, not a drogue chute, but something called balloons. they're uh,
2: drag bags the big giant bags full of pressure that create just enough drag to slow the rocket to around uh, 200 miles an hour and it hits the water at that speed a conical shape at uh,
1: three to four hundred psi will resist any collapsing forces and we've proved that concept in monterey bay uh, about, uh, once again my memory's fading but uh, I think it was the 1970s, 80s uh, we did drop tests from a helicopter of a subscale Sea Dragon uh, it was pressurized to about 400 psi with the bullets in the forward of the F section And it entered the water at about 200 miles an hour, maybe 300 feet per second, and incurred very little damage. In fact, no structural damage. The the pressure vessel was unscathed. So we proved the concept of ballistic recovery of a rocket stage into seawater using drag bags as uh, drag devices to uh, lower the terminal velocity uh, to a point where the rocket can survive. Uh, yeah, yeah. on the seawater, water and uh, you, you'll see some of those photos on the Neverworld uh, website uh, it, Everything I've, most everything I'm saying you can see on that website, it's an incredible uh, new mm-hmm. website that covers an incredible amount of material
0: yeah, yeah I read about that, the, the drag the slow the, to slow the uh, re-entry down so it can land in the Oton without being damaged um, yeah that was a uh, yeah, it seems like that's a like an easier way to go than what uh, SpaceX is doing with you know using the actual rockets to land. Um, you know, as ingenious as that is, uh, what SpaceX is doing like it seems like it seems like what uh, what Bob Truax thought of for T Dragon was actually simpler. You know, something that could conceivably be done back in the sixties. You know. I, I agree. Uh, it's very, very elegant. It's even cool to
1: see these rockets propulsively land. It's probably the most difficult way to recover a rocket someone could imagine, but they pulled it off, and my hat's off. To SpaceX, in fact, uh, I have to admit, uh, watching those two boosters land uh, in concert with each other, I was the most excited I've been about rockets since the pilot, and it was good to feel that feeling again, which had been dead for all those
2: years, but that said... Nothing beats the simplicity of a pressurized uh, vessel
1: entering seawater uh, with drag bags after you've burned all the propellant, not having to leave a residual to use for propulsion to a uh, soft land on land or a barge. So, you know, it, you know there's two ideas there, uh, both valid. Um, you know, pick and choose which, which, which would you want to do. Sea yeah. um, Dragon is brute force, burn all the propellant, get max delta V, put a thousand tons into uh, low Earth orbit. And in fact, one design that actually burns the pressure to get even a little more delta V. In this case, would be methane pressurizing the fuel tank. I think that was the D uh, version of the Sea Dragon. That may or may not be mentioned in one of those manuals that's on the Netherwolf site but uh, they had uh, spheres of uh, liquid methane at the bottom of the fuel tank and then that would be injected into the fuel and the, the heat of the fuel would vaporize the liquid methane and the bottles would go to the top of the tank and that's how the fuel would be pressurized. There won't be any helium or nitrogen, none of that. It's pressurized with, nitrogen, or with uh, methane. And then after
2: the fuel and oxygen is gone, you have a tank full of pressurized oxygen and a tank full of uh, methane that continues
1: to burn and you know, it brings the tank pressures down and you get added delta V you know, by burning your pressure in, which is a brilliant idea. I'm not sure how they deal with keeping the tank pressurized for ballistic reentry. They might still retain 100 psi in the vessel. Those details I'm not so sure about. Perhaps that's uh, highlighted somewhere in the <coughs>
0: this it's a cool idea. Like, Under the pressure. Yeah, yeah. And I know the uh, like the these studies number one and three for Sea Dragon are available on the Wikipedia page. for Sea Dragon. I think there was like a there was like a second study that was done that might not be publicly available. I'm not sure, but the uh, the two studies that are publicly available, there's quite a bit of information there. Yeah. I don't know if I read about the methane idea, but that's uh that's interesting. Uh so, methane is what powers the raptor, SpaceX Raptor. And right. um, this goes through this is a pressure, for the uh fuel tank of uh, first stage sea
1: dragon.
2: Mm. Yeah. And, uh...
3: Fuck.